This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Thanks for joining us online at Calvary this weekend. This is a historic day for us as it marks a new phase at Calvary. We're all worshiping in homes, in small groups. We've often said that we learn in rows, but we grow together in circles. And over this season at Calvary, we're going to huddle up in places all across the front range and gather together around the scriptures. We want to study the Bible. We want to grow together. And we're going to turn back to the book of Acts for this next phase at Calvary. And we're going to study several episodes in this book that records the unfolding of the church right after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, grab it. Let's open together to the book of Acts. And today we're going to look at a great episode of a salvation that came in Acts chapter 8. It's a beautiful story of the way in which God began to accomplish the promise that he gave to his early church. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And actually, Acts chapter 8 is the first glimpse of God moving his gospel forward to the ends of the earth, all the way to the African continent and Ethiopia. Whenever salvation comes, it is always the work of God. None of us can save ourselves. Salvation is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. That is true because the Bible underscores that none of us even seek after God. We all turn to our own way. So when you see an episode so compelling in the New Testament, when someone's heart is absolutely transformed, you know that God is at work in the life of that person. But truth be told, any of us who have come to know Jesus have to say that we've come to know Jesus because God was working in our lives. Here's a couple things the Bible underscores. That we actually, in our spiritual status before God, are dead in our sins and our trespasses, in which we used to walk according to the course of this world. We are absolutely spiritually unable to respond to God apart from his help. In another place in the New Testament, Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're folly to him and they're spiritually appraised. A natural man can't understand the things of God. And Jesus put it this way, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. The Bible simply underscores that salvation, if it is to occur in the life of a person, is the gracious work of God in us. If it weren't enough about our own inability to respond to God, the Bible also describes a condition that the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelieving people so that they cannot see the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. So, there's a lot working against someone coming to fully understand in a saving way who Jesus is and become transformed on the inside out. 
But that's exactly what happens in our story today in the book of Acts. And it just underscores that in order for any person to become born again, remember that story, Nicodemus and Jesus, you must be born again, born from above, born from the spirit. It is an absolute work of God. So today we're going to look at such an episode, a glorious story of God intersecting with a person who was needing salvation in Christ. You have your Bible, Acts chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In humiliation, Justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And he passed through, and as he did, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. What a story of an intersection between someone named Philip and a eunuch, an Ethiopian official, uh, all the way up toward Jerusalem and the work of God. There are three characters in this story. And I want to look at each one of them and learn something that we can from each of them and see what God was up to in this episode as we think about God's saving work. First person we look at is the Ethiopian man. He's coming all the way 500 miles from the African continent to the city of Jerusalem to worship Now, he's a man of distinction. He's an official in the empire of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. The title Candace is not a proper noun or name. It's actually a title like Pharaoh or Caesar. 
she's the queen, and she has this official, an Ethiopian man who is in charge of all of her treasury. We would call him um, the treasury secretary or the economic specialist. He's the man in charge of all the resources of the kingdom of Ethiopia. Distinguished as he is, he gets to leave Ethiopia and travel all the way to Jerusalem with this sole purpose. He wants to worship. Apparently, in some means, he's heard of the God of Israel. He travels to Jerusalem. Because of his physical condition, he's not able to participate fully in temple worship. So he's left on the periphery, but he's worshiping in Jerusalem around the temple and learning all that he can. He's a man of some status, he's an official. And yet you can tell there's something about him. He's searching. He's longing for something more. And he's following up on that by being a worshiper, seeking after God, going to the temple, trying to learn all that he can. He also obviously, we learn in the story, has a scroll. That would have been a very expensive purchase, but he possessed one and he was reading the scriptures to himself. And I suppose the last thing we learn about this Ethiopian man was he was teachable because while he's leaving Jerusalem on his way back to Ethiopia, he's in his chariot reading the text out loud. That would have been a common practice for someone who was a learner, someone who wanted to study the scriptures. He would have opened the scroll and read it out loud to himself. We learned something about this man. It doesn't matter what your status is. Jesus is for you. It doesn't matter what your limitations are in your life. Jesus wants you to know him. It doesn't even matter how broken you are, how lost you are, or how accomplished you are, Jesus came for this man. And he's working behind the scenes so that this man can know who he is. So in his search, he's reading the scriptures, he's in the chariot, he's returning. I wonder if he's wondering to himself on his return home, I almost got to know God. I almost learned who he is. I wonder if he thought he might be disqualified from ever entering into fully worshiping God. And so he's searching and reading. Enter the second character in the story. His name is Philip. We first met Philip in Acts chapter 6. He's one of the deacons who are appointed for the early church. He's full of wisdom. He's full of the Holy Spirit. We also learn that his gift is preaching. He's preached in chapter 6. He preached again earlier in chapter 8 to the Samaritans. And now, verse 26 tells us that the angel of the Lord comes to Philip and speaks to him and says, rise up, head south on the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza was one of the cities of the Philistines. It uh, had a road that went through it, which was an old, not normally traveled route. And this is the road that the Ethiopian was traveling. It's a desert place. 
And somehow God speaks to Philip and says, I want you to head south. And he heads south. And then again, in verse um, 29, the spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And in both cases, you see a couple things about Philip. Number one, it's obvious that he's in step with the Holy Spirit. He's listening to God in his own personal life, and God impresses on him that he should head south on this road. And he does it. God doesn't always work in that way that he says so clearly you should do something as specific as this, but in Philip's case, he does. The second thing you know about Philip is he replies with immediate obedience. Immediately, he goes south, and then he moves up to the chariot. It says, actually, he runs to the chariot and ran to him and starts talking to him. So Philip is a man who's in step with the Holy Spirit in his life, and he does exactly what the Spirit says. He would remind me of others in the Bible who, when God spoke to them, they responded immediately. Can you think of any? Abraham comes to my mind. When Abraham heard God, you're going to move away from Mesopotamia. You're going to go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham got up and went. When Mary, the mother of Jesus, heard the word from Gabriel, she said, be it done to me according to your word. Immediate obedience. Joseph, the same way. Uh, he took Mary to be his wife. And interestingly, one comes to my mind who responded in a different way. You remember Jonah? When God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh, Jonah said, okay. And he went the other direction immediately. You learn something about Philip that he was in step with the Holy Spirit. And when he had a prompting of God, he responded immediately with it. And so we pick up the story he wanders up to the chariot. He hears the reading of the scripture from the Ethiopian and he launches out with a question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? It's a very inviting question. He didn't begin by blabbering some answers to him. He just has an interrogative. Tell me if you understand what you're reading. And the Ethiopian man responds, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And it's almost as if he's teachable enough to say, I, I want you to guide me. And so he invites Philip up into the chariot and he jumps up into the chariot and he begins to open up the scriptures because the scriptures that are being read in that very moment, in verse 32 come from the Old Testament text of Isaiah 53. And they're given there for us in verse 32 and 33. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And the man says to Philip, who is this speaking about? The prophet Isaiah? Is he speaking about himself? Or is he speaking about another? And then you'll notice Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So there's three things about Philip I want you to know. He was in step with the spirit. He obeys immediately and he clearly knows 
the Old Testament scriptures. Because the moment he heard the Ethiopian reading this text, he knew right where it was. It was Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 is essentially the gospel of God revealing the suffering Messiah. And Philip knew exactly where it was, and the Bible simply says the beginning at that text, he began to explain who Jesus is. So if you have your Bible, turn back to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, then Philip would have been right there in that text, and he probably would have directed the Ethiopian man to verse 3, where it says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned around, away, every one of us, to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the text in Isaiah 53 that the man in the chariot was reading. And Philip simply opened it up and began to take those words of the Old Testament, 700 years earlier recorded, and unfold from those truths that they are pointing to none other than Jesus of Nazareth, who was just crucified, buried, and raised from the dead so that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The story is that Philip unfolds all of the Old Testament scriptures, beginning with Isaiah 53, to point to the good news about Jesus. I just want to remind you, that Philip was in step with the Spirit. He obeyed right away. He knew the Scriptures, and he unfolded the Scriptures for this person. And he did it in such a winsome way that he just asked a question, and he was invited in. You know, there's power in asking a question of someone who is truly a seeker. A question like, have you ever longed for more? When it comes to knowing God? Or how about in this day and age for us today, how are you holding up during COVID? Or how are you managing with all of the pressures that you're feeling right now? What's the biggest fear in your life during this season? Is there any way I could help you? These kind of questions open the door to those in whose life God is working and they're searching. Here's a man who had great status, but he was empty on the inside searching. And Philip just happened to be in the place at the right time, listening to the Holy Spirit to come alongside and say, do you know what you're reading? Or could I help you understand it? 
and the door was flung open. He enters in, and you know what happens then. Obviously, something occurred that led this man to open up his heart to receive Jesus Christ and believe that he is the Son of God. In some of your texts, it actually says, there's a verse 37, which is not found in the most accurate of the manuscripts. So in our text, it's not printed there. But in some texts, it says that Philip said, um, if you believe in all your heart, you may be baptized. And the man said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's precisely correct, even though it's probably not in the best manuscripts. But something like that probably occurred because he obviously knew about baptism and Philip had explained that and they get out of the chariot and they get down into the water and Philip baptizes him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They come up out of the water and miraculously Philip is taken away and he's brought on to a next project and the Ethiopian man goes back into his chair, returns home rejoicing having been born again through Jesus Christ. This is an amazing episode. And we've looked at two people. The Ethiopian, who was a searcher, empty in his heart, filled with Christ now. And Philip, a willing witness, just a guide to point someone to Jesus. But the third character in the story is the one I want you to focus on for the rest of our time together. That's God. That's God working in a miraculously beautiful way. Because early in our message this morning, we said that no one ever comes to faith in Jesus except by God working. And this is a beautiful picture of God working. And I just want you to know this morning that God is always working, even if we can't see him working. Here's the searching man going to worship, trying to find out more about God. And God is working behind the scenes, always working. And I want you to see more specifically that God is working here often so that he can soon do a work over there. So he's working in Philip, and Philip is listening to him, but he's going to direct Philip's steps to go to a different place, to go down the road toward Gaza, a forsaken place, a desert place, and he has a project for him. He has a work for him to do. And God often is working in this place in order to accomplish something somewhere else. And so the message for us is where we are right here, even if we can't sense God working, is simply to be faithful, to be in step with the Spirit right here, knowing that God may lead us over there sometime soon to do something that he wants to advance his purpose. We have a story about this at Calvary Bible Church. We've just come through it. And I know we've said it several times over the last two months, but I want to keep saying it, that we were working over the last year and a half as a church in Boulder and Erie, praying for the will of God, not knowing that God was working over there in Thornton, doing something in the lives of people who were also trying to keep in step with the Spirit and do what God wanted. And God working over here and over there brought us together to do exactly exactly what he wants so that 
two weeks ago, we launched a new campus during a pandemic in Thornton because God is working and advancing his church in the world in 2020. And we get to be a part of it. This story in the book of Acts is God's unfolding and the development of his church. And here we are gathered in living rooms, kitchen tables, all across the front range to do just that, to advance the purpose of God in the outworking of his church. The last thing I want you to understand is that God is always preparing people to receive the gospel. Whether we see it or not, this man was being prepared to receive the gospel. And I don't know what was in his heart. He was longing to know God, and God was working in him, and then the gospel was presented to him, and he gave his life to Jesus. You know there are people all around us who are being prepared by God to receive the gospel. And ours is going to be the opportunity in the weeks ahead to be in step with the Spirit, to share the good news of Jesus, to know the Scriptures enough to say, neither is there salvation in anyone else except Jesus, and point them to him. It may be that they're being prepared in their hearts right now in the same way the Ethiopian man was. He had accomplished everything. He had a position of great status and success, but inside he was empty. They may be being prepared by a sense of loss that COVID's producing in them uh, of isolation and being alone and their hearts are just empty, longing for something else. Their hearts may be prepared, longing in their soul for God and God's just getting them ready over there and he's preparing you here and he's gonna make an intersection between the two of you, between the two of us. And I just want to encourage us that we will be ready and that we will be a people who will listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting and then we go where God wants us to go. We're looking forward to this season together, trusting God to advance his church in every place that he puts us. Let's pray that our hearts will be ready. And if you're longing for Jesus today and you're watching this story, I want to encourage you to open your heart to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're always working to open hearts that are hardened, that are empty, that are longing to believe in a Savior like Jesus who gave himself as the substitute to pay for our sins. And now I pray that for everyone listening to my voice whose heart is longing for God, that the answer in a Savior Jesus would just come rushing into their soul and their hearts would open up in belief to receive the Savior and say, Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God and I believe in you. And for all of us, in all the opportunities you're going to give us as you work around us, I pray that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and an obedient heart to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to go anywhere you want us to go, to share the good news of Jesus, and to quickly point people to the only one who can save us by grace, through faith, the name of Jesus Christ. In his name, we all pray together. And everybody said, amen.